You, you good to go? He's always good to go. Um, this is Philip Dinardo, for those who've not met him. He was, uh, he was outstanding last night. Uh, we, were at the, uh, we, we did a men's curry evening last night, but, but we got like two-thirds of the restaurant, but the remaining third had another party going on. So today, Philip, you can preach without having to talk over a birthday party. Is that like a step up from last night? Actually, if this whole wing could just talk loudly amongst yourselves, that would make me feel a lot more welcome. I'm sure they could if you really wanted. Cool. We really welcome you from Bristol. We, we, obviously, we know what you guys do in Bristol. It's phenomenal, and we really appreciate it. And we've, over the years, appreciated listening to you and learning from you. So please, feel a complete liberty. Go for it. Say what you want to say. And may God bless you. So let's just pray for a sec. Lord, we settle our hearts before you. You want to release some powerful stuff to us, and you've already started releasing powerful stuff to us that will both spiritually and in our thinking transform us and lead to a release of more revival across this nation. So we welcome you to do that, Holy Spirit. And would you anoint Philip even now? Would he speak your word, your word, your living word right into our hearts? We open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. Would you speak through this man to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go for it, mate. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be able to speak with you this morning. I've, um, it's been really nice to be able to come here, to be there last night, to be with the guys, to be in the curry house. And more than that, to get a sense of what God is doing with this group of churches and with this particular movement. It's a real privilege and an honor to be able to just be encouraged by hearing how you guys are moving forward and what God is doing with you. This morning I want to talk with one of my all-time favorite passages of all time. It's a passage in Luke's gospel that I come to time and time and time again. It's the one I've preached on probably more than any other passage in my life. And I just keep coming back to it because it encourages me. How many of you here this morning need to be encouraged? Say yes. We need to be encouraged because it's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy following Jesus. It's easy if you want to do that and play within yourself and not really extend yourself and just keep it private, personal, and safe. But it's hard if you want to see the gospel going out to the people that you love. It's not easy to see the good news of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, spread to the neighbors that you've got, the work colleagues that you've got, the unsaved friends and family that you have. It's not easy doing that, and we need encouragement. So I, if nothing else, just want to encourage you this morning. So if you've got your phone, please turn to Luke chapter 10. Otherwise, you can just trust me. Um, and we'll read a few of these verses. But Luke 10 starts like this. Verse 1 says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Everyone say others. And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Just repeat that with me. I'll say it out loud, then you repeat it out loud after me, loud and proud and confident. Okay, repeat this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore. To send out workers into his harvest field. That first bit, one more time. The harvest is plentiful. 
turn to the person next to you, look them deep in the eyes and say, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. He goes on, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Jesus here sends out 72 others. In Luke chapter 9, the chapter before, Jesus sends out the superstars, the 12 apostles, the disciples. He sends them out with his power, with his authority. But in Luke chapter 10, he sends out the others. You know who the others are? The others are the ones that didn't make the cut. The ones that make the cut are the A-team. Now, you understand the concept of A-team, yes? You know what the A-team is? Everyone nod if you know what the A-team is, yeah? A crack commando unit sent to prison by a military court for a crime that they did not commit. (laughs) These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade and now still wanted by the U.S. government. They survive as soldiers of fortune. And if you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you can hire the... Okay, so you understand the concept of an A-team. Jesus had an A-team, Peter and James and John... The disciples, the ones who we write about, know about, talk about, the ones that get to be on the stained glass windows, the ones whose names are forever hallowed in history. And then he had the ones that did not make the cut. So you've got the A-team, the crack commando unit, but you've got the others. The others, instead of in the A-team, you've got Howling Mad Murdoch. With the others, you've got a guy with mild OCD. These guys escaped from a minimum security open prison where they were sent for a crime they actually did commit. These are the others. These are the ones that don't make the cut. So when Jesus has all his followers around him and he's choosing the disciples after a night of prayer, he sees Peter, 18. He sees James, 18. He sees another, other. I'm sure it wasn't quite like that, but you can imagine being with Jesus and thinking, is he going to choose me? Is he going to pick me? No, of course he's not. He's not because I don't make the grade. That's not how Jesus thinks, but that's how we think. And these guys, they were the others. They followed Jesus, but they were acutely aware that they weren't part of the 12. And so they feel self-aware, self-conscious. They feel down on themselves. I don't know how many of you identify with this, but almost every day of my life, to some degree or another, I feel acutely aware that I'm in the others. You know, you feel weak. You feel inadequate. You know that you're never going to be on the cover of Cool Christian magazine. That you're not like those people that wake up every morning, cast out 12 demons before breakfast. You are aware of your... Failings, your weaknesses, your difficulties, your challenges. You're aware of all the times when you tried to share your faith at work, when the conversation got to just the perfect moment, and you blew it, you missed it, you bottled it, you bailed, you couldn't handle it. We feel that. We're aware that we are weak, that we are the others. And Jesus, Jesus, he has a way of lifting us up and making us feel like we could do anything. And he gives one of the great motivational speeches for these guys, these 72, to represent the 72 nations of the earth. He gives them this great big pumping up, you can do this, I believe in you, go get them guys speech. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I mean, that's so positive. 
You're sending me out like a lamb among... That's, that's just really, really terrifying, actually. Why would you use such imagery? And then he says, if you have an extra pair of sandals, you leave them. If you've got an extra bag, you leave it. He says, I want you to go out bagless, and I want you to go out shoeless, and I want you to go out like lambs among wolves. In other words, this is the message that Jesus has for us today. If you feel weak, weakness is not a problem. Weakness is what qualifies you for God's purposes to be used by him. And Jesus says, look, you others, you feel down on yourself. I want to make sure that you really are weak. I want you not to be dependent. I want you to be aware that you don't even have sandals, that you don't have provisions, that you don't, that you have got to do this utterly, totally, completely relying on me. Whenever we talk about the kingdom of God and God's love and message of reconciliation for all mankind going out, we have to talk and understand that it's not about you. It's not about your strength. It's not about your competence. It's not about how articulate you are or how confident you are or how holy you are. It's all about Jesus. If you think that's good, say amen. 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 It's all about Jesus. So if you feel weak, If you feel aware of your own failings and shortcomings, then you're in a great place. And if you feel strong, Jesus will take away your bag because he wants you to be reliant upon him. And the people that will transform our communities, the people that will see Oxfordshire change, the people that will make a difference in your street, in your community, in your workplace are people who are weak and they understand and know that they are weak and they know that their weakness isn't a problem, isn't a problem for God. It's merely the thing that qualifies you to be used by Jesus in the first place. Then he goes on. Luke records it like this. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So Jesus says, listen, you feel weak, you feel like the others, your names will not be known by history You'll not be celebrated and fated. You won't be seen as special. You're everyday, ordinary, Joe and Josephine average. And yet I can do something powerful through you. I want you to go into the communities where people who don't know me live. I want you to eat what they give you. I want you to enter into their culture and enter into their sensibilities I want you to come alongside them, not lord it over them, but I want you to come alongside them and I want you to heal them and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So weak people get to proclaim the kingdom of God and get to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And Jesus, when he sends out his disciples, he always gives them those two twin things. I want you to proclaim the kingdom. I want you to demonstrate the kingdom. Some people look at Luke chapter 10 and they say, ah, well, it says that you should proclaim the kingdom and then heal the sick. So we must proclaim the message and then 
act out and demonstrate that it is real. But actually, in the chapter before, in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus sends out the A-team, he puts it the other way around. He says, heal the sick and then proclaim. And the point is, these things go together. It does not matter in which order we do them. It just matters that we are both proclaiming and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom, as well as explaining what it is and proclaiming what it is. As you heard, I come from Bristol. I'm involved with um, a church there. And uh, a couple of years ago, one of the guys um, who started coming along to us, he was not in a particularly good place. This was someone who probably smoked too much, drank too much, and did other kind of things too much, and yet genuinely trying to follow Jesus. One night he's in the pub. It's a biker pub. He's there with his leathers and uh, he's got his pint and he's just talking to two women, friends that he's got. And he says, Philip, this has never happened to me before. He's weak. He's one of the others. He's not the superstar evangelist. He says, just as my faith is starting to grow in Jesus, I just had this strangest sense that I should say something as we're talking, particularly to one of these women. And so I just said to her, look, I've never said this to anybody in my life before, but I want you to know God loves you. And she starts to just melt. And she talks about how she's had a faith in God, but she's walked away from the church like so many people. They start with some kind of faith, but something happens. There's the difficulty and the challenges of life. There's stress and there's pressures and there's disappointment in God. And she's walked away. And as he begins to share about how God loves us, something clicks within her. And so the very next Sunday, she is there with him in church. And she begins to engage. And I honestly think that it was a few months later. I think, I'm not sure, this might be not true. But I think I was preaching on this very same passage about Luke chapter 10 and the sending of the 72. Because like I said, it's one of the passages I've just preached over and over and over and over again. But at the end of it, I said, listen, just as the others demonstrated the kingdom of God by healing the sick, we're going to do that right now. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to do it quite relaxed. I just want you to put a hand on the part of your body where you are sick. If you're sick and if you're physically ill, then just put your hand on the part of the body that's affected And we're just going to pray and ask God to do some stuff. And because we did it like that, I wasn't really aware of what was going on. But at the end of the service, this young woman brought by the guy who said, God loves you from the biker pub. She comes up. She says, Philip, I can't believe it. And she looks. She looks on the edge. She's kind of on the edge, somewhere between about to burst into tears And about to go into hysterical laughter. In fact, she just kind of flips between the two of them. And she says, I feel no pain. I feel no pain. I said, that's great. I also feel no pain. (laughs) What, What is your story? And she says, I have this thing. I've had it for 10 years. It's endometriosis. I say, I don't understand that. Explain She says, it's kind of a big deal, one in ten women. It's um, just very, very difficult to diagnose and even harder to treat. And it is utterly, totally, and completely 
currently, well, there's no real cure. There's no real... All they can do is help you manage it. But it's to do with the reproductive system. And it just means that I experience crippling pain and I have this really bad. She says, the reason when I come to the church, the reason that I sit in the sofa at the back of the church is not because I'm not engaged. It's because I'm managing my pain. Every day of my life, pretty much, I have to be on heavy duty painkillers. This like horse tranquilizers. These are heavy, heavy pills. And not only do they help me manage the pain, but they dull my life. Sometimes even with those, I just can't get out of the house and I have to stay inside and I have to ring up sick and I curl into a ball with a hot water bottle clutched to my stomach. And it is awful. And I've lived with this for 10 years. She says, while we were praying, I put my hand on my stomach and I just uh, prayed as we were praying and I felt this bubbling and gurgling and popping and fizzing. And the pain went. She says, I knew the pain had gone because I forgot to take my pills before I came here tonight and I had been in absolute agony. But she says, I can't tell you what this feels like. You have no idea what this feels like. I'm free. I'm healed. Jesus is real. He's done it for me. I said, this is just amazing. I, I, I got in touch with her the next day, and I sent her a text the day after that, and I caught her the Sunday after, and then six months later, constantly checking in, six months later, I said, how has it been? Tell me, are you still okay? She said, Philip, the last six months, I haven't taken a single painkiller, and I have been utterly healed. Yeah, let's praise God for that. The best thing that she said to me, she says, Philip, my husband, who's not a believer, he is just delighted, and he can't get over it. He can't process this. He's trying to get his head around it. But my kids, my two little boys, they have no trouble getting their heads around this. All they say is, mummy's happy all the time now. And mummy's so much more happy. And that's the kingdom of God. Because one person who is weak, one person who doesn't feel that they make the cut, is able to share in a very simple way under the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God loves you. A proclamation of the kingdom of God. And then following on from that, a demonstration of the kingdom of God. I tell you, when we baptized that woman, it was such a wonderful thing. And being able to baptize her with that friend from the pub, who's now one of our you know, really key leaders and got so much more mature in his faith and got so much more on top uh, of, of his uh, discipleship and life with Christ, baptizing her together. And just last week, there two of them, they were there at church, and I saw them in the end. They came, they found me, they said, hey, Philip, I want to introduce you to someone. They haul in this woman, leather jacket, tattoos, piercings, all of that everywhere. And uh, they said, this is the other woman that was in that conversation. We finally got her in. And I said, well, it's great to meet you. And she, this new one, she said to me, Philip, I've just been in this church for one evening. I feel like I've come home. And Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not trying to pump you up artificially. I'm not trying to lull you into a false sense of security. Jesus says to his followers, as weak as they feel, the harvest is plentiful. Maybe... Jesus has asked me to come here for one 
thing this morning and to tell you, to remind you of what you already know. The harvest is plentiful. The people that you live next door to, the people that you see in the shopping queue for Sainsbury's, the guy that you meet at the gym, your line manager, the intern at the office, the person that you rub shoulders with, the guy that you see when you're walking your dog. These people, they are closer to Jesus than you realize. And Jesus is doing things in their lives by his spirit because Jesus has... He has a plan for everybody to know him. He has, he, the Bible says that God devises ways that an estranged person does not stay estranged from him forever. God is always working. The harvest is plentiful. And Jesus says, listen, I know you feel weak and I know you feel unable and I know you feel unqualified. Sometimes you feel you're disqualified. But I'm qualifying you and your weakness is not a problem for me. In fact, your weakness is an advantage because it makes it all about me. This is not about some pyramid scheme. This is not some kind of social manipulation. This is the kingdom of God and this is God's work, God's move. And he is doing his thing in you, through you, with those around you. All you have to do is sit with them, eat what they put before you, identify with them, go to the biker pub if you're a biker chick. Go to, I don't know what you do in Oxfordshire, but I presume it's, I don't know, crown pin bowling or whatever it may be. Uh, but you go and you identify with people and you, you live alongside them. And then you say, Jesus, give me the opportunity to share something of you. And then this is where it goes to the next level. Because the disciples go and they do this. And they see stuff happen. And they come back at the end of it in verse 19. In fact, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord... Even the demons submit to us in your name. Lord, it was crazy. It was just off the charts. We saw some stuff. And Jesus replied, Ah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. Everyone say authority. authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Again, I just imagine the others all crowded around Jesus as he's praying. And he's saying, Lord, you didn't reveal them to the wise and the learned. And the others are saying, we're right here. And yet Jesus says, look, you're not wise, you're not learned, particularly by human standards. You're down on yourselves, you're aware of your limitations. You're like children, but you're my children. And you don't need to get proud when I use you. It's just, you know, the thing to be happy and pleased about is that I've been gracious to you and your names are written in the book of life. But this is what I give you, and this explains why... The satanic oppression that keeps people under the boot of the enemy, that blinds the eyes of those who are perishing so they can't see the glory and the light of the face of Jesus. This satanic, this spiritual force of darkness cannot stand against you because I've given you what? Authority. Do you know what authority is? Authority is the right to get something done. The Greek word is exousia. Everyone say exousia. 
It means this is not dependent on you. This is not about you. This is not remotely impacted or affected by you. This is something that is given to you. A little while ago, I was um, going out with a friend of mine uh, called Graham, and we were going to go to a film. We were going to go to the cinema. And uh, so Graham comes to pick me up. He parks his car around the corner from my house and uh, knocks on the door. I see him, and uh, we go out together. And we're walking down the road to go towards his car. And as we walk down the road, two guys, we see two other guys walking towards us. And I I don't know if it's the same with women, but there's a thing with guys, a kind of territorial thing that happens sometimes when you kind of eye each other up and there's a kind of, you know, claim for territory type deal happening. And these guys definitely had that. They were giving us the the kind of the stink eye. They were looking at us with um, deep suspicion and hostility. Uh, One of them's kind of tall and skinny with a a beanie hat on, and the others a little bit more kind of squat with a leather jacket on. They both look odd, out of place, but they're looking at us. So we do what guys do, which is you hold your ground, you keep walking, you maintain eye contact, as if to say, I am not threatened by you, I am the threatener. You can be threatened by me, Mr. Beanie Hat. And uh, as we walk past them, we maintain eye contact, and then we've gone past them, and then they stop and turn around and start following us. I say, Grant, keep walking. We get to his car, we open the car, and then Leather Jacket stands at the um, entrance to the road where our car is facing, as if to block us, and Beanie Hat comes over to the car. I'm now in the car, I'm in the passenger seat, raps on the window. He says... Open the window. I open the window. He says, get out of the car. I say, I am not getting out of the car. He says, get out of the car. I say, you don't scare me. You don't impress me. And nothing that you can say will make me get out of this car. And he produces his warrant badge as an officer of the law. He says, get out of the car. I get out of the car. (laughs) What seems to be the problem, officer? (laughs) Two undercover agents, they said, we've heard reports of uh, two guys uh, menacing people in this description, (laughs) this area, matching your description. I said, officer, what kind of description was that? Was it two escaped male models? (laughs) He's not laughing. And I said, look, obviously there's been some mistake. I am not who you're looking for. We're not who you look. Look, I live here. You can knock on my house. I have ID. It's called my wife. She'll tell you that I am not who you're looking for. And the guy at the, um, with the leather jacket blocking our entrance, he's sort of been talking into his uh, mic, and then they realize we're not the guys that they're looking for. And so he says, ah, oh, sorry to disturb you. Please have a good rest of your day. <laughs> we drive off. What did he have? What did he have that made me do what I said that I would never do, that compelled me to behave in a way that I promised I would never behave? What did he have? Authority. Now, he could get up in the morning, go into the the headquarters. He could be having the worst day of his life. He could have had an argument with his wife. His children think he's a loser. He feels sick. He's down. He's depressed. He is at the end of his tether. He may feel like the worst officer on the beat. 
doesn't matter. doesn't affect his authority because he's been given the authority, the highest authority, the authority that goes all the way up to the government, the queen herself. And because of his authority, not his capability, I have to do what he says. He doesn't argue with himself. He doesn't have an internal dialogue of, oh, do I dare ask him to get out of the car? He just presents his card and says, get out of the car. And Jesus says, this is the authority that I have given you. I've given you a message of reconciliation for all people, that they may know that I am God and that I love them. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and trample on scorpions. And not to be blasé about the fact that when we share the good news, we're coming against the opposition of hell itself. We are wrestling for the souls of men and women. That's why it's difficult. That's why. And you know, so often Satan will say, Ah, oh, this one is easy. I know how to take them down. I'll just do my, my favorite trick. My favorite attack works every time. <laughs> discouragement. And some of you, you've been discouraged. Some of you, you've just had discouragement after discouragement. Other things he'll throw. Ah, oh, intimidation. Fear. They don't want to know. You're not the right person to tell them. If you open your mouth right now and engage in this conversation, you'll make it worse. You'll put them off. You don't have what it takes. You're not the right person. Wait for someone else more qualified to come along. But Jesus has given you authority, exousia, the right to make things happen. That's why you can pray for your neighbors. That's why you can pray for your boss. That's why you can pray for your friends. That's why you can pray for the child that is breaking your heart right now. And it may be a long road that Jesus calls you to walk, but we can see people come to faith. I get to see, you know, a good deal of people come to faith. I get to see people almost on a weekly basis committing their lives to Jesus. But you know, the most precious ones for me, it's my neighbors. It's the people that I do, you know, the kind of open house at Christmas with and, and the people that I see walking the dog. One, I see God move in their lives. Those are the, the most encouraging ones because it's not come because I was strong. It came in my weakness. And it came because we were just demonstrating and proclaiming the kingdom of God. You need to know that we have a message and God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. That God is making his appeal through you. You feel weak? Welcome to the club. You made it. You're qualified. You're in. Congratulations. You're going to love being part of this crowd because these are the ragtag bunch of people that God uses to proclaim his kingdom power and to usher in his life, his grace, his mercy, his reconciliation into the lives of those who are desperately looking for him. Why does this woman say, I've come home? Because... Everyone is looking for meaning. Everyone is trying to find a way home to their father. A God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And Jesus is full of joy and the disciples are full of joy. And so what I want us to do is I want us to pray together and I want us to ask that God would encourage us. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. Because we are family here. This morning, are we not? 
Put your hands up if you felt discouraged in sharing your faith with those around you. Okay. Put your hands up if if you felt fear or intimidation in sharing Jesus with those around you. Okay. And finally, put your hands up if you just felt weak, inadequate, and unable to share your faith with those around you. Okay. You can put your hands down because we're all in it. We're all the others. And here's the thing. The A-team is a scam. That's what these guys don't realize. Jesus is saying, you know, the 12, seriously? The 12, they are just as weak as you. Anyone that tells you otherwise is trying to pull the wool over your... I mean, have you seen what Peter comes out with? These guys, there is no A-team. There's only others. We're all weak. And yet, with the grace of God, we are in his strength. So we pray, we commit ourselves to Jesus, because he says this, I am telling you the truth, please hear me. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful in the city, Philip. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, no. The harvest is plentiful right where you are. The harvest is plentiful in India, in Brazil, in... No, the harvest is plentiful here, where you are. Because God is God and God has plans. We all have our unique and individual challenges. But the gospel is for everybody. And the Holy Spirit is not mopping his brow thinking, man, alive. I just don't know what to do about Didcot. I mean, it's just beyond me. He is well able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So let's pray. Let's dedicate ourselves to Jesus. And let's ask for him to fill us with his Holy Spirit and with an anointing, and with a fresh experience of exousia, the authority that he gives us to do his work. So I just want you to close your eyes, and I want you right now to imagine, picture in your mind's eye, the people that you know, who don't know Jesus, the ones that you so desperately want to see find faith in him. Guys at work, guys in your family, Guys in the community, guys on your street, neighbours. I want you to just hear the words of Jesus over them. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And going out like a lamb is just another way of saying you're going to be clothed in the humility of Christ. You're going to minister like Christ ministers, not with arrogance, but with grace. I'm just going to ask you to, um, to lift a, a, a hand or two up as if you're expecting God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and to give you something. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you come and anoint. I want to pray against every spirit of fear and intimidation. I want to pray against every spirit of discouragement, every voice that speaks inadequacy, that says you're disqualified, Shut up, sit down. I speak against those voices and we say to those snakes and scorpions, you have no power. We step on you 
we deny your power. I release faith in this room, in Jesus' name. Faith that you have a message that crosses every barrier, every difficulty, every obstacle, every hindrance. I pray in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God will come right now and give us faith for these individuals, a conviction to pray like we've never prayed for these guys before, to pray consistently, to take the authority of Jesus, to proclaim it, to speak against the things that we see holding back our friends. I pray that over you right now. And I release in the name of Jesus, a spirit of evangelism upon this church, this group of churches, those that they represent, those that can't be here. I speak over this group of churches, multiplication, harvest, evangelism, fruitfulness, outreach. I speak that thing over you. And may God use you and empower you in tremendous ways in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And just right now, I want you, if you can, just quietly, uh, just to begin to pray for those situations. And just thank God for filling you with his Holy Spirit and choosing you and anointing you and appointing you and sending you out. And just as you're doing that, I'm going to ask the band to come and just, uh, just create an atmosphere of praise and worship for us. But just begin to speak out. Just pray for these individuals and pray for yourself. In spirit of the living God, I'm, I'm asking right now that you'd come upon us and that you'd begin to fill. I pray for gifts of the spirit. I pray for gifts of healing. I pray for gifts of power and anointing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come right now. We welcome you here and ask that you'd give us what we need in order to do something that only you can do. In the name of Jesus. I just want you to... Um, to right now be open to receiving an anointing of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you're going to feel something physical right now. Others of you, you might not feel anything, but you know that God is anointing you. But for some, it's actually going to come physically. Now, just right now, if you can feel a tingling or a heat in your hands, just stick your hand up so I can see. Okay. Thank you. There's a few of us. Let's just continue to, to wait upon the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do is just give an opportunity right now for healing prayer as well. So just like um, I did with <laughs> the guys in our church that little while ago, I'm just going to ask that you, if you have a physical need for healing right now that you're very aware of, I just want you to put your hand uh, where that issue is located as much as you can. And uh, if you are with someone and you can see them just placing a hand on themselves, could you just pray, put a hand on them? We're going to ask that God would release healing right now. Father God, you've said these signs will follow those that believe. They will lay hands on sick people and they will be healed. 
And in Jesus' name, we lay hands on ourselves and we lay hands on one another and we proclaim the healing power of Jesus. Lord God, would you release people from the bondage and the oppression of sickness. Lord, I want to pray for chronic long-term conditions in Jesus' name to be gone. I break their power in the name of Jesus. I break the power of people that have had conditions for 10 years and more. We say, God, enough is enough. We want you to come and change what cannot be changed by any other human means. Lord, would you do that right now? Lord, would you minister? And Father, right now, as we reach out to you, would you touch us? And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we see you do things here, I pray that we would have the courage to follow your promptings to do that in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the playground, outside the school gate, in the coffee morning, in our houses, with our friends, with our children. Lord, would you release that in Jesus' name, that we might come to you with great joy and say, we've seen the sick healed, we've seen the demons submit. In Jesus' name. Let's continue to just press into the presence of Jesus. I'm going to hand over to the guys to lead us through this final part.